0: This morning we'll be again in Hebrews chapter 1. And last week we uh, took a long look at verse 11. This week we'll be in verse 12. And there'll be a lot of things that seem repetitive because of the nature of the text that verse 12 continues to describe what we saw in verse 11. So don't be disheartened if you hear the same things again because it was needful uh, for the penman to write these things and for God to have this conversation as we see it speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we should be thankful that there's such a descriptive order to the text in which we can understand the supremacy of Christ himself. But we'll begin by reading again verse 11 and then 12. It says, They will perish, but you remain... And they all will become old like a garment. And like a mantle, you will roll them up like a garment. They will also be changed. But you are the same. And your years will not come to an end. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we assemble today to observe a Sabbath, Lord, we come as humbly as we may. As humbly as you would allow, Lord, that we are a fallen man before a just and holy God. Lord, we ask for your your grace and your mercy to be bestowed upon us this day as we look at the text. Lord, and as we see the finite and temporary existence of the earth and the things of this world, and the things of the flesh. Lord, I just ask that we as your people, as the bride of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we be reminded of his preeminence, that we be reminded of the work that was done on Calvary, that is equaled by nothing, is rivaled by no other work. God, let us reflect upon that and be thankful this day and be joyful. Let us express that joy and that thankfulness in praise and worship. Lord, we ask that your Spirit be with us, that we would be ministered to today by the Word and by the reading of your Word and by the examining of the text. or that we may be conformed to the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, and that we may exalt his name in a world where many would seek to profane it. Lord, let us be filled with all manner of joy as we set before you this day. We ask you to bless it, Lord, and sanctify it as you would do us, your people. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. amen. So we see the text this morning, and like a mantle you will roll them up, like a garment they will also be changed, but you are the same and your years will not come to an end this is a text that directly deals with verses 10 and 11 as we see the foundations of the earth that were laid in jesus christ and the handiwork of christ as he creates the heavens plural those things that are visible from earth not speaking of heaven the place where he resides but the heavens this upper firmament if you will And then we get to verse 12, which really concentrates on those things mentioned in verse 11 and really drives home a finite point of of what that means, that these things will perish, that the earth and the heavens will perish, but that Christ remains. And in one sense, he's simply reiterating in verse 12, what was said in 11. It's a natural continuation of verse 11. Speaking of, as we know, these heavens and this earth Created by Christ who is the living God the previous verse declares several things but that most certainly all things in their current substance of the earth and all things in the heavens that's which we see the stars the moon the sun those things beyond our grasp but within our visual sight these things shall cease to be declares verses 11 and 12 it mentions also A perishing, as it is written, a perishing of all things in the earth and in the heavens. Not just the perishing of men and mankind, but a perishing that should be compared to a perishing of all things affected by the gospel. And when I say that, it's a perishing that we should liken to the perishing of sinful man. Man without Christ. Why should we take this particular view? Because the viewpoint is gospel-centric. It's Christ-centric. If we have a viewpoint any other way of that which is perishing, whether it be the earth or man, we're missing the point of Jesus Christ and his redemptive story, the truth of his redemption, his work on the cross. So we liken this to the gospel, the perishing of the earth. Like the old man must die, And the new be born from above, so shall also be the heavens and the earth. And as we recognize this, as we recognize that Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, the second person of the triune God, we see that he is the very creator of all of these things. And still, the very names of God announces his work in these places. Consider the name Yahweh and Yeshua and the meaning behind these two particular names meaning God is salvation God rescues further implying that he alone is the one who saves he alone is the one who creates and he is the only one as it is written who is able to save so in context in light of that as we see that God the Father is having this intimate conversation to which now we are privy to because of the text written here in Hebrews chapter 1. We see that he writes these things about Jesus Christ and they only apply to one Jesus Christ who is full deity and who is also fully man. And then we recognize that because of his name, these things don't perish in the sense that we would automatically think that they would just be totally annihilated and, and cease to exist, but that they cease to exist in their current form, in their current state, because the name of the Lord is one who saves, one who redeems, one who makes better, makes alive that which is dead. So the earth, in the sense, will cease to exist in its form and fashion, but will be reborn, just as sinful man in a different fashion. So continue uh from these texts that i will bring to you to think about these things and think about the creation of the earth the perishing of the earth and think about the names of god as we look to Luke chapter 2 verse 11 for today in the city of david there has been born for you a savior who is christ lord here is one who will save that which is destined to die then 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners among who I am foremost of all. How does this apply? Because he's talking about saving sinful creation. Man was cursed and so was the earth cursed at the same time. Therefore, their end is destruction, but God doesn't come to totally annihilate, but he brings back a rebirth that we see that it is of the spirit being born again and so shall he do also with the earth christ who comes to save sinners then luke chapter 19 verse 10 for the son of man has come to seek and save that which is lost speaking again consider that context that the earth must be must have been created just as man was created for a particular purpose so that it serves its purpose proclaiming the redemption of Christ on the cross but it says that Christ another title son of man has come to save not to simply utterly destroy and start over with a new creation but to redeem that fallen creation in Acts chapter 13 verse 23 from the descendants of this man according to the promise God has brought to Israel a savior Jesus Christ there he is again saving. Titus chapter 2, 13, looking for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our God and Savior Jesus Christ coming again. There it speaks of to save those whom belong to him, those whom he has redeemed with his shed blood. Then Matthew one twenty one, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sin. Acts 4, 12, and there is, salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Ephesians 5 and 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. For purposes of saving time, Philippians chapter 3 verse 20, for those who take notes, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 10, 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 10, John chapter 4 verse 42, and 1 John chapter 4 verse 14, all testifying and witnessing to the fact that the Son has come into the world to save. That's the perspective that we must take any time that we open the text of Scripture, that Christ has a purposeful work, and that is to save that which is lost. Therefore, when we look into the Hebrews, and especially verses 11 and 12, and we see the earth and the heavens described, we see truly the story of redemption, the story of the gospel. These things are to cease and cease to exist in their current form, but Jesus himself, the text says, lives forever And remains unchanged. Verse 11 also said. That all become like an old garment. Why does he say that? Like an old garment. And I would say that the writer uses this particular term. Because the garment is something that is removed. Something that is taken off. Something that is cast aside. Something that's usefulness has ended thus we should see the heavens and the earth in the same sense but if I were to say it simpler so that we may understand it would if you would permit me I would say it this way plainly they're going to wear out the garment will wear out the earth and the heavens wear out It's time that they be removed It's time that they be no longer be no longer repaired, but that they be made new in form and in fashion because of this fleeting, cursed nature in which they exist that I described earlier. We see at the fall of man that these things were cursed, that the earth would groan, that women would suffer, and that man likewise would sweat and work the earth This is that fleeting, cursed nature. Then verse 12 says, And like a mantle, you will roll them up, speaking of these perishing heavens and earth. The mantle, again, is this garment that we saw last week. The garment from the previous verse, some would say it's a veil, it's a cloak, it's a wrapping. In essence, it's a covering that's wrapped around an object that hides the true form and protects the broken nature of an object. It's an interesting choice of words if you would consider it in its original language. And whoever penned the Hebrews, though it seems to be up in the air and there would be some dispute about who, I won't say wrote it, but who penned it because the author is the Holy Spirit. It's an interesting choice because It truly isn't a choice, but it's given under divine inspiration. It's a divine inspiration from Christ himself. And so when we see that it's a wrapping, we understand that the ministering Holy Spirit, this God-inspired word, is to remind us of the redeeming blood, the redeeming power of Jesus Christ, the power that conquers all death. Then you'll remember wrapping and you'll say how is that significant what can i remember from the text of scripture that is a wrapping why would they describe this earth as a garment as a mantle that will be rolled up a wrapping that will be rolled and placed back to the side its usefulness ended in the first place that i thought of is i thought of lazarus the beloved friend of jesus A family with whom Christ had a very intimate, earthly relationship. And as we trust, because of the work of Christ in their lives, both spiritual and physical, we trust that they would have a spiritual, deep spiritual relationship with Christ. But John chapter 11, verse 41 says, "...then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid." And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank Thee that Thou hast heard me. And I knew that Thou hast hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that Thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Lazarus was wrapped. Lazarus was wrapped with that which the text says would make him stinketh. It's the stench of death. Representing sin. So we recognize that Lazarus is wrapped and bound and then Jesus says unto them, loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary And had seen the things that Jesus did. Believed on him. So in its immediate context. We see that Jesus. Prays and gives thanks. And offers worship to God the Father. For what was about to happen. And he doesn't do it because. He thought that wow you have heard me this time. He says he does it particularly for the people that are standing around. And then he calls Lazarus. To come forth and be unwrapped. And we see truly how this is meshed with the text of verse 12 and as his resurrection speaking again of lazarus represents that which is to come for those who are in christ a final resurrection a permanent resurrection it also serves as a reminder of the new life that we're given in christ As his death is ours and his resurrection life is also ours. As he calls Lazarus and the people around him to unwrap him. And set those things aside. We see that Christ will also roll up this garment. That was once the earth and the heavens in their temporary form. He will create within them a new form and a new fashion, perfect, without this fallen state. But consider this resurrection life that is ours also because of the work of Christ. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Then in John 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Romans 5, 18, so then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. Then in John 6, 48, I am the bread of life. In verse 33, for the beginning... Uh, for the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. And then verse 27, do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give to you on him. The father God has set his seal. All of these things speaking of existence that only is made possible by the work of Christ on the cross by the creating power of God Himself, by the redemptive power of Jesus Christ, where He says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Anyone which eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. John, 1 John 5.11 says the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life and the life is in His Son. All of these things we see Represented in this wrapping, this rolling up, this mantle, which for us may describe not only the earth and the heavens, but the sinful state in which we live currently. That if we truly have Christ, He will call out on that last day. Whether it be that we make it until the trump sounds or that we're called up by the death of this mortal body. He will truly roll up those things which are temporal and set them aside for those things that are spiritual and eternal whose value is infinite. This is why Paul says, as Brother Pat mentioned it this morning, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. The truth is, Is that as we consider this wrapping, this rolling, this setting aside, this mantle, this garment that has become old, that has waxed old, its usefulness has played out? He won't leave the world and the heavens or his children naked. They won't be left barren. But there's a new covering. This new covering is Christ. It's what Paul is speaking about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. And then like Lazarus in those wrappings, I thought, how significant. And I considered Christ's resurrection. And the garment, the head, the napkin, as it may read in your particular translation. John chapter 20, verse 7, And the face cloth. Which have been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in place by itself. Here's a glimpse. Here's a new perspective on Hebrews chapter 1, verse 12. This is a Christ-centered perspective, a redemptive perspective, a gospel perspective. You may find it very interesting if you go home and look for commentary, or for a sermon, especially on Hebrews chapter 1, verse 12, there is none. I could find not a single sermon. And even in the commentary, though they're great men of old, there seems to be a lack of the gospel message, there seems to be a missing of that which is spiritual in its nature. In understanding this particular text, most people only see it for that the world will perish as we know it, that the heavens will cease to exist as we know it. But I think about this rolled up garment that Christ wore. Christ had not returned to the dust because from the dust he did not come as Adam did. His garment was neither scattered nor misplaced, but it was folded. This garment didn't fall off of dry bones, as the world would love to say, denying the resurrection of Christ. It certainly didn't fall off of bones. And I considered why it would be rolled up. And I thought, died He, Christ, as the Lamb, Risen is he as Savior, God, King of kings, Lord of lords. Christ, as we see in Hebrews chapter 1, is seated upon his throne, wearing not this garment, this napkin, this headcloth that we see is rolled up back in John, but instead he has upon himself a majestic garb. Garb which only one who is in control, who rules, who is in authority, one who is truly royalty, may wear. And then I look again to verse 12, and it says that the earth also with the heavens shall be rolled up. With that Christ perspective, we see a beautiful picture of the gospel. It says, like a garment they shall be changed out. They'll be replaced. The natural propensity is for us to ask, why shall it be this way? Why shall they be rolled up? Why shall they be changed? It is, in fact, to prepare for a new heaven and a new earth. This is declared in 2 Peter Chapter 3, verse 13, they're folded because their usefulness has come to an end. There is no more need for a fallen earth. For those who will remain, will remain in the new earth shall be perfect. And made so in the righteousness of Christ, redeemed by Christ himself. Existing, due Christ and remaining in the power of Christ. For he shall keep all who belong to him. These are more glorious than those of the present age. This new heaven and this new earth. They're more perfect. They're completely perfect. The earth is made new. The heavens made new and humanity made new all by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything changes with the power of his word. But all of this Is a reality because of the text that follows. Like a mantle, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they shall also be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. This speaks of the reality of redemption that everything that shall cease is temporary. And everything that shall live forever is eternal. Most certainly this must be true of the Savior Jesus Christ. Everything changes because Christ changeth not. Think about it. If Christ was a God who was changing and who was not immutable, He would be no God. And without Christ being unchanging and remaining to be God at every present time, and every past time, and every future time, there would be no change upon the earth. There would be no change in the hearts of men. Therefore, decay and destruction would be our end. So the truth is that everything is able to become new again. Everything is able to be alive again in Christ because He changes not. Everything changes because He changes not text goes on to say that your years will not come to an end. Christ is the immutable, unchanging God whose days are not numbered and whose years will never end because they had no beginning. This is the Jesus Christ that we're to worship. This is the Jesus Christ that we're to exalt. This is not the Jesus Of the Mormons. This is not the Jesus of Islam. This is not the Jesus of the Jehovah's Witnesses. But this is a deity, Christ. This is a man, Christ, who exists with both natures, being equal with God, being very God Himself. Not being a created being, but being one who does the creating. The message here is that. Christ can have no end without having a beginning. Therefore, if he has no end, he has no beginning. If he has no beginning, he can have no end. Therefore, he is eternal. And we know that the Bible teaches that in the beginning, Christ was. Christ still is. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, is eternal God. That's truly the message in Hebrews chapter one from beginning to end, that Christ is God. Not only does it describe Christ, but it describes his role as prophet, priest, and king, his existence as the son who has taken taking heir to the throne, the one who existed before all of creation, the one who will exist when creation is ceased. And though it may seem that we have placed a great emphasis on the heavens and the earth passing away in this particular passage, the greater reality is the latter of verse 12. But you are the same and your years will not come to an end because Christ endures everything, and I mean everything, after Christ and everyone in Christ. Everything must be born again if it is to live. The earth, the heavens, fallen man can only continue if Christ allows. The simple message is that something must be conformed. This is the message of the gospel in verse 12. That these things be rolled up like a mantle. That they must, if they want to exist again, they must endure in Christ and in Christ alone. And they must be conformed to a different image. Not to a fallen state, but to one who is risen, to one who is eternal. This is the reality of Christ in the life of the believer, that one party must outlast the other if victory is to be a reality. The earth and the heavens would be in a battle. Sinful flesh would be in a battle. We wage war against the spiritual man. One must outlast the other. The truth is that Christ will outlast. Thus Christ is the victor. The earth and the heavens must pass because Christ will not conform to a fallen state. It's a wonderful reality that Christ will not conform to the fallen state of mankind nor will he conform to the fallen state of the earth or the heavens but rather he will continue. His years will not be numbered. He will remain the same. Simply not possible apart from his redemptive work that justifies all to whom whom it has been effectual that conformity would be to a fallen state. the focus this morning is the Gospel of Jesus Christ for redemption, the Gospel of Jesus Christ for justification, the Gospel of Jesus Christ for righteousness. For, holy, for reconciliation on part of man to God, that we only be reconciled by the redemptive work of Christ, whereby man would be pardoned from a sinful reality, which is death. The question we should ask ourselves this morning as we read this text, considering that our nature is... Just like that of the heavens currently and the earth currently that we are fallen, has your old man been wrapped up? Certainly he has. The old man is wrapped in sin and destruction and self-deceit and self-righteousness. But has it also been changed? Have we laid aside these things for a new garment a better wardrobe a better covering a better wrapping have you put off the corruptions of sin and put on the righteousness of christ for as this mantle is rolled up there is place for one that is new one that is in christ one that is completely righteous completely holy we should examine ourselves. Job chapter 29:14 I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. In Revelation 19:8 it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the linen is the righteous acts of the saints, who we know have no righteousness, whose all good deeds are like filthy rags if it not be for Christ and his righteousness. And then Isaiah 61.10, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God for He hath clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland as a bride adorns herself with jewels. This is the new wrapping of the heavens and the earth. And that sounds wonderful, but the wonderful reality is it's not just the heavens and the earth being wrapped in something new in the righteousness of Christ. It is sinful man who has been reconciled to God through repentant faith in Christ. Isaiah eleven five. also righteousness will be the belt about his loins and the faithfulness the belt about his waist. Because all of us have become unclean and all our righteous deeds are like filthy garments. And all of us wither like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. But Psalm chapter 132 verse 9 says, Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your godly ones sing for joy. The truth of Hebrews chapter 1 is that Jesus Christ is our priest. That He is certainly robed in righteousness. And because of that, because we have been crucified with Christ and resurrected with Christ... Because the new man has been born again and wrapped in the righteousness of Christ, we may sing for joy. The psalm wasn't just written for a particular time period, but it is an eternal truth that we be robed in the righteousness of Christ. Zechariah chapter three, verse four. He spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. Again he said to him, See I have taken your iniquity away from you and you will clothe uh, you will be clothed with festal robes. It's the truth of Christ. Revelation three four but you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Notice he doesn't say that they walk in white now. They will walk with me in white. The reality that the old garb, just like with the heavens and the earth, shall be rolled up and exchanged for something that is perfect, something that is clean, something that is pure, which we know must be from Christ. And so we say if we sin and if we enjoy sin, Then we hate God. We remain at the very edge of His sword, ready to be split and dismembered, for we have earned such a faith, for the wages of sin is death. Do we trust the Ancient of Days who will not end? He provides life and life more abundantly, water from which we are eternally quenched, bread whose fill knows no end. We must feed upon Christ and the text bears out that we must garb ourselves in his righteousness this righteousness which is so apparent from all of the other texts that we previously mentioned this is the gospel the gospel of life amidst certain destruction for where life is given so it is taken some will perish others will be saved asked this morning will you trust in christ and not merely with lip service but will you awake and cover your nakedness each day with the righteousness of christ have you laid aside the garb of uncleanliness the garb of your iniquity those things that are temporary and temporal because they bring about certain destruction. Will your garments wither and fade? And will you this hour roll them up and exchange them? And like the hymn says of the old rugged cross, exchange them someday for a crown. And not just any crown, but a crown whose wearer submits and serves and loves the King of kings and Lord of lords to whom its allegiance is sworn. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 12 is wonderful as it does describe the truth and the reality of a new heaven and a new earth. But more wonderfully, it describes the Savior, Jesus Christ, the King, who is the same, who will always be the same, whose years are not numbered, who is eternal. And because of that, He is able to give eternal life to those who believe in Him, those who trust in Him, those who are currently clothed in unrighteousness and in sin and in iniquity so we must see the gospel in hebrews chapter one we must see that the call is for man to repent before god repent for his evil works call upon the name of the lord and you shall be saved it says this is the reality that we must face not just as the heavens and the earth temporal, but this life too is temporal. If we not profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if we not live by His righteousness and His righteous precepts, we have no hope but to be destroyed, but to be perishing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, this morning as we read your word, see the reality of sin, the reality of death that hangs over the head of every man born, Lord, we see that before you we're filthy, we are a generation of unclean lips. Lord, for we have been whitewashed sepulchers, harboring dry bones, harboring faithlessness, having no hope, having no surety, having no righteousness of our own. And our prayer this morning is that as those who truly belong to you, we would persevere by the power of your Spirit, that we would be reminded every day to walk as Christ walked, to live as Christ lived, to die to sin which was placed upon him at the cross by which he faced the full measure of your wrath, God we pray today that if someone would hear this message they would see the need for repentance need for salvation and that amidst that need they would see the hopefulness that we have in your son Jesus Christ who causes those things that are temporal to perish in order that he may bring about a born again man born again woman who relies not on her self-righteousness, but upon the perfect righteousness of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, may we trust Him, ever trust Him. May we lean upon your Word. God, may you grant us repentance this morning, that we may see the beauties of your salvation, and that we may praise and worship you. And exalt the name of your son Jesus Christ in his name we pray amen, amen.